You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Shakespeare to Schwartz, from Fosse to Alvin Ailey, from Sondheim to Borellis, from McNally to Fay, it happened to the greats, it still happens every day. When lightning strikes, it's the moment you know. When lightning strikes, where you're meant to go, you can stand and shout your This is Gerald Brunner, and you're listening to When Lightning Strikes, where we talk about the tingly mic drop moments that led you to becoming an artist. Gillette Bardell is a dazzling performer who has traveled to over 50 countries to share her gifts. Most recently, she was on Broadway as Mrs. Nielsen in the gorgeous musical Girl from the North Country, featuring the songs of Bob Dylan. As Bob Dylan himself said, my songs couldn't be in better hands. The show is on hiatus right now until the spring. Gillette's additional credits include Hair, The Color Purple, Rock of Ages, Deaf West, Big River, and she wrote the book, music, lyrics, and starred in her own musical, Sheeta. Welcome, Gillette. How are you? I am amazing. Gerald, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here with you and chit chat. I am ready. I remember seeing Girl from the North Country, the public theater, and it was transporting to hear you all sing the depth of your voices and where you took me was so magical. When did that musical 
come into your life. Can you talk about the circumstances when you heard about it? Yes. Before we went to the public, there was a reading, the first American reading of the girl from the North Country at the public. And I remember getting a call from my agent and they were like, hey, are you interested in doing a reading of um, a new musical, a Bob Dylan musical? It's called Girl from the North Country. And it would be Monday. This was about on a Friday. They were like, we can send you all the material. And I was like, um, I had plans for my weekend. I didn't feel like learning material. And I knew we started on Monday. And I was just like, should I do this? I, I'm, I don't really listen to a lot of Bob Dylan music. I didn't, I didn't know a lot about Bob Dylan's music. And my agents were like, yes, you should do this. <laughs> and I was like, okay, 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 I'll do it. I'll just have to cancel my plans for the weekend and just get into the material. And I'm so glad I did. I remember doing that reading and I was just like, this music. So here's the thing. A lot of, there, there are people who don't know Bob Dylan's music. Well, they think they don't know Bob Dylan's music. But when you start to hear the music, and you hear the lyrics, you're like, oh, I know this song. Oh, wait a minute. I know this song. And it starts bringing all these feelings and emotions inside of you. And that's what was happening to me when we were doing a reading. And I was like, wow, this is, there's something so special about this show and about this music and, and Connor McPherson's writing, the playwright. And I was just honored to be in the room. So when we did the presentation, I was just blown away. And I didn't know what they were going to do with it. I was just happy that I was, a, I was in the room where it happened. <laughs> and then I would say a couple of months later, I got a call and they said, listen, they're doing a run at the public and they want you to play the role of Miss Nielsen, the same role you did in the reading. And I was like, wow. And that was my journey with this amazing, magical and spiritual show. Yes. I mean, and to hear these songs sung by all of you is completely transformed how I heard Bob Dylan's songs. Mm -hmm. And what do you love about Mrs. Nielsen? Because she's a fighter. She's a survivor. And... Uh, and also, can we talk about where the musical takes place? It takes place in the boarding house. In Duluth, in, Minnesota. Yeah. In the 30s during the Depression. Yes. And um, you have a group of people that are coming to this boarding house for different reasons. Yes. But they all need help. They're yeah. all trying to navigate through a difficult time in society, which is kind of what we're going through now, yes. where we're all trying to navigate through this pandemic. So it's it's the same type of story. And my character, Mrs. Nielsen, she's the one in the, in the house that's very optimistic. You know, she looks at the bright side of things. And sometimes it is a bit fantasy, <laughs> yes. but it's it's her reality and she tries to make it a reality. And I believe that because she is so optimistic and she's always thinking of the good and she walks with a smile and she's always happy, it rubs off on the other boarding house members. So she brings light to the house. And I enjoy playing that because I think it's important to have to be around light in the time of yes. darkness. And that's what she is. Yeah, she is a beacon of hope because she's mm -hmm. always looking at the future when things are so bleak. I mean, in every way, it's the dead of winter. It's the height of the depression. And yet, yes. she, like you said, she's the beacon of light and hope. Yes, I'm pressing on. 
I love this quote from Conor McPherson when he um, was originally asked, right, by Tristan Baker, who produced mm-hmm. "Girl from the North Country," mm-hmm. if he had the catalog of Bob Dylan songs to work with to write a musical, what would he create? What would he dream of? And he, in 2013, mm-hmm. he wrote Tristan this email. I'm thinking of an expansive Eugene O'Neill type play with Bob Dylan's love songs intertwined, perhaps set in a Depression era boarding house in the U.S. city in the 1930s with a loose family of thrown together drifters, near duels, and poor romantics striving for love and understanding as they forage about their deadbeat lives. That was 2013. And from what I understand, that vision has stayed true, right? Throughout. (laughs) Very true. Just listening to that. It's just like, wow, it's amazing how when you speak words and you put them into the atmosphere, how they can really come to life. And that's what happened with the show, because what he said is what we have. Yes. Yes. So the show is on hiatus right now. It's going to come back. What was that like for you to learn that the show went on hiatus? You know, I thought it was very smart for our producers. We had a, we had a wonderful um, run and a wonderful um, COVID protocol that we put in place. And we were like one of the only shows that never shut down because of sickness. Because we were, we followed this protocol and we, not that others didn't follow it, but we had been, pretty much on top of this expecting something like this before it 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 manifested so we had the the um the 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 coverage in place as it pertains to swings we had um every everybody's job was covered because we were prepared for this and um so when we decided to go on a hiatus i thought it was very smart because we were able to keep um a lot of us safe and with everything that's going on and and people are some people are afraid to come to the theater because they want to be safe, it's better to just take yourself out of the game, sit back, wait, and then come back once things have calmed down. And I feel like because we're in such a, a heightened state as it pertains to this pandemic, it kind of takes away from the art. You know, art is fun. Art is art art is it shouldn't be such a it shouldn't be a burden where people have COVID on their minds and am I going to catch it? And is it safe? And is it, it's starting to take away from what we've created. So I think it was very smart of our producers to say, listen, let's take a step back, reevaluate, and then come back when things are better. So I thought it was, I thought it was extremely smart. And I thought it was a beautiful gift because they could have said, this is it. Bye. <laughs> you know, but it was like, let's take a step back. And we do, and you know, and, and the gift that we have is that we are coming back. The plan is to come back, you know. So that was a beautiful gift. So I thought it was, I thought it was brilliant, actually. Oh, that's wonderful. Do you have a date? Do they have a date in mind yet? Or a- we're supposed to be back in April. So let's talk about your lightning strikes moment when you knew you had to be an artist. Me, I think 
I've known it from when I was a child. A lot of times when you're a child, who you are and who you're going to be is right there in front of your face because we're not tainted by nose, um, discouragement. We're just being. So I remember being in my living room creating and I would more so call myself a creator because that's what I do is I create. I can sing, I can dance, I can act, I can do that. But my greatest gift is creating. And knowing that helps direct me um, in life. So um, it's wonderful to be in other people's productions and partake in other people's visions and be that blind spot and be that empty spot for people who are looking for uh, maybe a good actor, a good singer and do this. But I also know that I am a creator and there are things and stories that I want to tell. And um, I'm not afraid of moving forward and doing that. So that's, that's, that's really important for me. And I, and I realized that as a child, that I was a creator, not just because I would be in my living room, not singing other people's stuff, but singing my own stuff creating my own plays and, and putting it together and having my family members come in and writing out programs for them, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I was curious in what, what your creations, what forms your creations took, what kinds of shows did you oh, put on? Do you yeah. remember? I was doing all kinds of things. I was like, first I would, I would do like R and B concerts and then I would do like church plays, like, pretending to be in church where maybe I'm the pastor. I would do all kinds of things <laughs> and I would dress up my little cousins and my niece and nephews as, as, um, as characters in my play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Do you, do you remember any specifics about like some of the songs or that you made up and, and um, how old were you at this point? Oh my goodness! This this is the, so my niece and nephew. My niece and nephews are around my age. So when I say niece and ne- niece and nephews, don't think like oh little babies and I'm an adult. <laughs> <laughs> I do have some niece and nephews around my age, but um, I remember one thing that I do remember is I remember um in elementary school, I I went to a, like a performing arts elementary school, an elementary school that had a gifted and talented program, and there was one class. I think I was like in the third grade. And it was like a marketing class. And we had to like come up with a brand, make a song for it and um, present it to our teacher. And um, I came up with like my team. I was like, we have to do bathing suits and they would be called heat bathing suits. (laughs) And I remember coming up with the song and I'm like, we were like modeling bathing suits. That It was just weird. (laughs) But the song that I came up with was the heat is on and summer is here. If you don't have nothing to wear, the heat is here. Get your heat pants. <laughs> then I, I loved it. I loved creating a product. I even remember some of the other kids, like one, one kid um, made shampoo and it was like, you shampoo, shampoo, and conditioner too. Nah, 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 nah. I mean, that is where, I mean, I, I, I got life from that. So, and now I see in my adult life, like I just continue to create and that's what I enjoy doing, whether it's creating a character on stage or creating a product off stage. Creating is my passion. That's extraordinary. And that you saw that early on. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So ha- when did you know that you had this very special gift for performing, singing, when did that? Well, I started I started singing in church and I had older sisters and I was like the younger sister that would like at the time, I mean, I was so young and they were teaching me harmony and I was like, well, I can't get it. They're like, stay on your notes, stay on your notes. <laughs> you know, and eventually I became the one that was the best singer. But I think that happens. It's almost like a Serena and Venus, you know? The young, the older sister does something and you, you're around and you're learning from your older siblings and then you kind of perfect it and you take what they have, but then you make it your own and it grows. So as a child, I knew, you know, that I could, that I could sing, just singing in church. And, but it's interesting because throughout elementary school, I wasn't really, I, I, I knew I could sing and the teachers would be like, oh my goodness, she can sing. And I would be in chorus and sing leads and stuff. But my thing was, I want at that time I wanted to rap. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be a rapper. <laughs> I wanted to be a rapper. But the singer was like, "Okay, I can sing, but I want to rap." Yeah. So, <laughs> do you rap? I do, actually. Yes, I do. <laughs> Very cool. I rap. I sing. I dance. I act. I create. I recently uh, created my my latest project. So here's the thing. This is what I do. And I would encourage other performers to do this when I'm in a show. And once that show, once I'm finished rehearsing that show and the show is in my body, but we're just running the show, I'm inspired to do my next prop to create my next thing. When I was in the hair, but even before it closed, I was thinking about my next and when I think about my next, I don't just think about, oh, who's going to hire me? But I think about what can I create? What's in me that that where I don't have to depend on people to give me my next job. So while I was in hair, one of the producers, Andy Sandberg of hair, um, I approached him and I said, listen, I'm writing this musical, Sheeta. I started writing Sheeta while I was doing hair. And I'm like, I have this musical I want you to see. I want you to hear. I'm, I'm, I'm in the beginning phases of it, but I want you to hear it. And he said, okay, well, let's 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 hear it. So we set up a date. We went out to dinner and I started singing some of the tunes to him. And he said, you know what? I I I like it. I like, I like where this is going. Why don't you do a presentation for me? And I'll bring some of my producer friends and we will go from there. So then I was like, the pressure was on. Like, oh my goodness, I have to like get this show together. Got it together. He came. He loved it. Long story short, he was like, I want to be a part of it. And now he's one of my producers. He's a lead producer of the musical. We've toured it. We've done it in London. And um, 
that's how that happened. And then fast forward when we were doing um, a one for Sheeta, I remember having this idea about a, a, a web series. I take the Zoe and I was writing that then. And then I did the web series. I take the Zoe. So fast forward to girl from the North country. Right. So now we're doing girl from the North country. We've been off. Um, the pandemic has happened. We've come back. And one of the things, just talking to cast members, one of the things that, that, um, that I was passionate about, passionate about is financial literacy. And I was like, you know, I'm so into the markets and I'm like, I'm like the finance girl. I used to be into like building credit for your business and everything. So I, we get back to the show and you know, my cast, they always see me with my charts open and looking in the stock market and they're like, Jeanette, could you teach me? And I'm like, ah, but some people want to learn and they're like, but I hate numbers and it's just so boring to me. And it's just so, and then it, it, it came to me, like, I need to make this user-friendly. How can I give you the stock market without making it boring, with making it fun, where you understand it? Because it's not hard. It's just, it's not hard. It's just, it's just the learning curve. Like once you learn it, you know it and you understand it. And so I was like, how do I make this fun? I like, I have to make this fun. These people that are coming up to me that want to learn, they want to learn, but then they're discouraged. And I'm like, how can I just make it fun for everybody. And then I came up with a brand Broadway to Wall Street and I created an introduction to the stock market course that's all, course that's all animation, all music. So it is the it is so fun the way that it came out. I'm I'm like I have a couple of people that like go through it and give me their opinion and they're like this is Disney because <laughs> it's so the cartoon characters, the songs, like, I don't know if you, 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 you're, you know about the bears and the bulls in the stock market. <laughs> Some people don't understand that concept. So I have this song called bears and bulls. And <gasps> it says one part of it goes, a bear believes the stocks are going down. You make money when the stock is falling down. It's called shorting, shorting the stock while it's falling. So, you know what I mean? Wow. It's so fun. I mean, it is so fun. So that's like, my my thing and I think that it's really important especially for artists to to know about your finances and how to make money and how to invest money because honestly what we went through during the pandemic is nothing different than what we go through in our career I mean you're working today you're not tomorrow you can go two three years without a job and you can work for 10 years and then not work and you can make millions and then not make millions but you have to know how to take that money and invest it and get control of your life because sometimes you feel like you're not in control because you're depending on somebody to give you a job in the industry. And sometimes it just doesn't come as easy. So <laughs> that is so extraordinary. All the layers of that. I'm thinking of, do you remember? I don't know. I don't know if you were, uh, you're probably much younger than me, but Schoolhouse Rock, where they taught you how, you know, I'm just a bill. Anyway, there were, it was a, a cartoon when I was a kid to teach kids about um, the government and how bills are made. Oh. And it's wonderful. Oh, and, yes. it's kind of some, and, yes. I, and I'm also thinking of Hal Prince, who always said that the day after a musical he did or play or musical that he produced opened, the next day 
he worked on his next project. So you're taking That's how it goes. That's how it goes. You should always, always be creating. And it keeps you happy. And when you're when you're depending on someone else to create for you, it's it's kind of dangerous because you're looking for somebody to do something that you can you can potentially do for yourself. And in, in the in between, in the meantime, and in between time, you can create something. Then, when you attach yourself to someone else's project, you can work on that. But you still have your project to always, you know, fall back on. And those in the meantime, and in between times, until it becomes the main time. <laughs> Is the series available yet? Yes. Because how can people? Yes, yes, yes. Go to BroadwayToWallStreet.com. How it go, what gave you the courage? I mean, it sounds I like know. to get let that you I mean that that you know to go out of your wheelhouse. Listen, is, what you said is right. Courage. Yeah. It takes courage. You have to do it afraid because you can have what's that imposter syndrome? But you're like, who do I think I am? What I can teach. Sometimes you're on stage like, why do I have this part? Knowing that you're qualified, knowing that you can do it, but you sometimes doubt yourself and you have to move past the doubt. And I felt like with the stock market, that was one place where I was like, man, because even some of my mentors, you know, a lot, they taught me a lot of this stuff. And when they looked at my program, they were like, wow, this is, this is genius. Because I'm going to tell you the interesting part about my program is that it focuses on things that the stock market can be complex, but psychologically <laughs> you need to conquer that portion <laughs> and just the little things. And I was talking to my, um, one of my mentors um, went through it last night and he was just like, yeah, when I talk about realized and unrealized gains, you know, just something as simple as that where unrealized gains, is basically you made $500, you're making $500, but you haven't sold out of your position. So it's unrealized. And then realized gain is when you sold out of that position, so you have the $5. So, so a lot of times traders or people, they feel like, oh, well, I'm making this money. That's what it says. But unless you sell and get out that position, you really haven't made anything. It's unrealized. And so when one of my mentors who's been trading for years, he was like, you know what? That's what sits with me. That's it. That that right there sits with me. But I make it so simple. Once you see the cartoon, the the avatar and the music and the, it's just such a such a a, a wonderful um, teaching tool just to make things nice, easy and simple. Now, they're all little reading that you have to do, but you, you're going to have to read. But it just makes it friendly. And you're like, oh, this is not so hard because I remember years ago I would look at I would look at um, CNBC and be like, what is this? What is is this? I don't understand. This is crazy. But now it's like, it's not, it's so simple that it's like, oh my goodness, this is, this is not hard at all. Well, I'm inspired. Oh goodness. (laughs) Because to me, yeah, it's like Charlie Brown's teacher. Whenever I hear somebody talk pilot, I'm like, wah, 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 wah. Listen, I talk about that. I have something in the series called Story Time. And I talk about I have like different stories. And when I was in the color purple, I did the I did the um Broadway show and then I also did the tour. And we toured for about I mean we did we sat down in Chicago for eight months. Oh. And in that mate in that eight months time, um John Rogers Jr., who is the founder and CEO of Aerial Investments. He was one of our producers along with Oprah Winfrey. 
And he came to the show and he was like, listen, I have this investment firm and I'm going to get you guys to invest and get into the stock market. And I was like, this is so boring. (laughs) What is he talking about? So he invited the cast to his headquarters. I went. They did a presentation, but like you said, it was like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I'll invest like a couple of thousand dollars. Yeah. But guess what? Four years later, that thing grew. And then I was able to use that, some of that money to do Sheeta, to, to, to do my initial presentation <sighs> of Sheeta. And that's when I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is, hmm. And then I started to go deeper and deeper into it. But I was the same way. We was like, wah, wah, I don't understand this. So, okay, what should I do? And a lot of times we'll have financial advisors, which is great. And you you depending on them to, to make the decisions for you. But for you to have an understanding, you can have a financial advisor, but you should also have an understanding of what you're doing. And that's in everything. Even when you get into a show, sometimes artists get into shows, but they won't communicate with the creative team. You don't talk to the producers. There's like a separate separation. Like, oh, that's the the producer. You should get involved. Get involved with everything. Talk to the producers. Talk to the stage. Talk to the stage hands. Talk to the lighting guy. Talk to everybody. You know, educate yourself in every aspect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so great. I want to go back for a minute to the Bronx. Okay. You grew up in the Bronx, right? Here you I were grew up in the Bronx, yes. Singing in church, you said, and, and in creating, making your own, you know, <laughs> planting the seeds. How did you get yes. from there to to being the powerhouse that you get to your first professional job yeah. as a Listen. performer? So in the Bronx, I went to, um, in my junior high school, I remember my music teacher telling me about LaGuardia High School Performing Arts in Manhattan, the Uh, famous famous school, and saying, listen, you should apply. And I was like, okay, great. You know, my sisters went to, um, we all went to specialized high schools. I don't know if you know, in New York, you have Bronx High School of Science, Brooklyn Tech, Stuyvesant, and LaGuardia. So my older sister went to Bronx High School of Science. My middle Uh sister went to Brooklyn Tech. And me, I was like, well, I guess I'm going to LaGuardia. So I auditioned, got in it. When I got to LaGuardia, that's when I learned about musical theater because I took a class Uh called Audition Prep. And a woman, Mrs. Anchor, which is, her husband is married. I mean, her husband's brother is the famous anchor. I forget, it's Paul Anchor, I believe. And she was also Whoopi Goldberg's teacher. And she would always say, I was Whoopi Goldberg's teacher. <laughs> but she was the one who introduced me to theater and like auditioning. And and we had like an assignment where we had to go out and audition for something. And I auditioned and I got it. And that's when I caught the bug. I actually got like this part and it was a reading in this musical. And I actually was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Because I didn't know, I wanted to be a rapper. I didn't know, a rapper Wait, or sing gospel. Like <laughs> Your first audition, you, 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 nailed, you booked it. I booked what it. What was it for? What was the reading? It was a it was a reading called Sir Winston, My Love. Sir Winston with Love, something like that. And I, it was such a new world to me. I didn't know what this meant. I just know I, we had rehearsals. I did go. It was, but it was so new to me. And it also kind of jaded me because I'm used to getting on. Like, you know, your first audition, you book, so now you think you should book everything. <laughs> And so that's how it started. And I, that's when I caught the bug of the musical theater bug. I was never thinking about it at all. Mm-mm. 
But because of Miss Anchor and um, LaGuardia High School of Performing Arts, which is a, an amazing high school, yes. uh, it, that's what propelled me into musical theater. Now, what what was one of the first shows that you booked that you performed in on stage? Okay, the first show I booked was um, after I graduated from LaGuardia. I went to Hunter College. I have a bachelor's in health science. That's a whole nother thing. Like, I'm technically a clinical scientist. (laughs) But while I was in college, I auditioned for this musical called Another Chance. It was playing at the Samuel Beckett Theater on um, Theater Row, 42nd Street. And it was for the lead role. Her name was Jasmine. She was a dancer. And she was a pastor's daughter. And she fell in love. She was a, she fell in love with a guy who was kind of like a gangster, but he was really smart and she helped change his life. And I auditioned for that and I booked it and I got the role. And that's what really, really set me off. I was like, oh, this is great. I still remember the smell of the set and the wood and, the, you know, that feeling of yeah. being in a new show, meeting new people and having a show every night. That was so another chance was like my first show where I led and, and it was like a run through. So, yeah, a run of a show. And what about your Broadway debut? Can you talk about your Broadway <laughs> debut? My Broadway debut was The Color Purple. And guess <gasps> what? I was a swing. I went from swing to lead. I covered 11 mm. parts in The Color Purple. Yeah. And a year later, I was cast as the role of Seely. Mm-hmm. Can you bring me to when you got the call or the, that you were cast in the color purple on Broadway? Where were you in your life? Listen, as the lead or as, cause those are two different experiences. Well, tell me, yeah. How about both? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So when I got the official call that I would be a swing, I remember I was driving down main street in my, in my town and I was driving and um, I'm trying to remember how did I get this call? Because we did have cell phones then, right? Because <laughs> I just remember getting the news like in my car. <laughs> what town was it? Where was I live it? in Rockland County. I live in Rockland oh, County. Oh, how beautiful. Yes. Yeah, across the mm-hmm. river. Okay. And I just remember feeling like, wow. I, first of all, The Color Purple was my favorite movie of all times. So to be connected with such a beautiful brand and I love the story, I didn't really, I, I knew what, what a swing meant, of course, because I had done other productions like Rent and, and um, Big River. But um, I, it wasn't even about, like they could have said I, I was holding uh, the doorman at the color purple and I was like, ah! <laughs> because I just wanted to be, a, a, you know, attached Part to of, the color purple. Yeah. So... I remember, you know, just going through the many different phases of the show because when I joined, Oprah wasn't a producer yet. So that Uh happened while we were in rehearsal. So there were many phases to this, to the Color Purple thing. So I, that whole year of being a part of the Color Purple and, and sitting in the audience most of the time because I was a swing. A lot of the times I was on a lot too, but I was kind of like, on the outside, you know, and then from going from that to being actually the lead in the show, that was to being Sealy. That was, that was a lot. It was great, but it made me very appreciative that I started off as a swing. 
because a lot of times as a swing, you get a chance to see who people really are because, you know, you know, as a swing, you're, you're overlooked. And so, um, because I know what that felt like, I never, ever wanted to, I never, ever wanted anybody to experience that in that, that I was in the presence of. So once I became a lead, like I'm very sensitive to understudies and swings and what they think, what they go through, how they feel. I want to make sure that they know that they are appreciated, that they are loved, that you are a team player. I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. It just happened that I auditioned and I knew people or I've been here long. You know what I mean? So it has nothing to do with you're better than me and I'm better than you. So that's very important to me to just make sure that, that you are respected. You are not less than I am and you not should be, you should not never be treated less than I am. So that I'm very passionate about that because I've been there. (laughs) So I'm grateful for, for the experience. It's really when I think about it to cover all those roles, it's a miraculous feat. You know, I don't know how swings do it, you know, that they have to keep all that knowledge and all that and, blocking in their heads and songs and and be ready to go on at the drop of a dime. That stress, yeah. like you don't know. I would go into work not knowing what my track is. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do because I don't know who's going to get sick or who's going to get sick in the mid mid show, which would happen many times. So you had to always be on your ready, but it prepared me. And that's where I got the inspiration for Sheeta. And I play like seven characters because I started to be like, this is fun. You know, I'm playing all these different characters and going in and out. This is amazing. So that experience, when when you start as a swing to me, it is, it is the best schooling that you can get in this business because not only is, are you um, learning in your craft, but you, it's, it's a, your integrity, your intentions, your, you know what I mean? Yeah. How you treat people. It's a, it's a deep lesson. It's a deep, deep lesson. <laughs> Let's talk about Sheeta. Not only did you write the music, you wrote the book, mm-hmm. the lyrics, mm-hmm. starring it. What inspired it? Yes. Man, wow. Well, you know what? When hair was closed and I was like, listen, I got to create something. I want to create a story that's powerful, a story that people can relate to. Um, And I thought about my childhood best friend, Rashida. And she had been through so much. She was, she's just such a great person, kind heart, um, beautiful, smart. And she fell on some hard times when her mother passed away. And I remembered her story and I was like, wow, I want to tell this story. So as soon as I got the idea, I picked up the phone and I called her and I said, listen, I would love to tell your story. And she was like, okay. And I was like, we have to meet because I need to get some details. And we literally met the next day and I interviewed her and I recorded it. And and she told me things in her life, step by step, things that I didn't know, things that I didn't know. And, um, And I said, all right, thank you. And she said, I trust you. I'm giving it to you. Do what you need. And that's how it was born. And it was like a phenomenon. I mean, I literally like the story just came through me. It wasn't it just flowed right through me. And I was able to write with no blockage, no writer's block, anything. It just came out. And when you write like that, you kind of want every project to be like that. <laughs> And then you find out like, oh, that was a phenomenon. 
And then here, what a gift to Rashida to share her story literally with the world that you brought it to England. Maybe this is too hokey, but how did that experience change you? And how did it change Rashida? It changed me in a sense that I I can see the power in... um, friendship, the power in storytelling, the par- the power in the arts. And the, f- the feedback that we get back from that show is so powerful. Women, men, they cry. They're like, you're telling my story. It was just amazing. Even in the UK, there was a guy, I want to say, there was a Caucasian guy who, elderly man, like he, he had to be about 75. He came to every show. He sat in the front row for every show. He had to be there every except for the last night. And that last night, I was so, for him not to be there, I almost cried because I was so used to him being there. You know, and I have, I have um, there's a, a place in the show where I talk to the audience and I would talk to him that my producers were like, all right, you can't talk to him every <laughs> night. And I'm like, I know, but he's here every night, you know. And I'm like, I'm here. I mean, he's here every night. And, and I just want to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm honored. And there will people, there'll be, there'll be people that will come multiple times, but he was just so faithful. And just to know that, that, that this resonates with all ages, all nationalities. It, it's just, people cry and tell me their stories and they're like, this is the best thing they've ever seen in their entire life. And I'm just like, Really? And even with Rashida, she she said to me um, when I did the first presentation. Well, first of all, before I I showed it to the public, we did a private viewing for her, and she had her box of tissues and she just cried and cried. And afterwards, she said, "Thank you for making me not ashamed of my story." And I was like, "Wow, wow!" And it's so funny because I think. I am brilliant in the show. And, but when she's there, when I tell you, when I announce that she's here in the, in the building and I, and she stands up at that, at the end of the show, nobody's coming to me to tell me how great I am. They want to go to her. <laughs> they want to talk to her. They are like, we love you. Thank you for surviving. And I'm just like, wait a minute. I'm over here. <laughs> I was on stage for 90 minutes. But that just goes to show you how they connect so much with her. And because she's not a performer, she's not used to accolades like that. It kind of makes her uncomfortable. So she's not one that's like, oh, I'm going to be at the show every night. When she comes to the show, she knows added stress because she knows how much the audience loves her. (laughs) And they want her so much. (laughs) Are there plans to bring it back to New York? Yes, we're planning to bring it back to New York, plan to bring it on Broadway. The UK wants it back as well. They're like, you got to bring Sheeta back. And I'm like, listen, when the pandemic is over, let's go. (laughs) Do you have a a dream role? I mean, you're you're writing roles, which is beautiful. Is there a part you're aching to play or is it yet to be written? I think it's yet to be written. I think it's yet to be written. Um, I am at this stage in my career, I am passionate about being a part of projects that mean something where the creative team is just, I like to work with good people and I like to 
help people's vision come to fruition. You know, so if somebody's passionate about their project and sometimes even if I think it's not that good, but the passion is there, the integrity is there. I'm like, okay, how can I help? What do you need me to say? What do you need me to do? I'm just, I want to make good work, but I also want to empower, empower and inspire people who are making good work. You know, so I just want to be a part of, of good work and good people. And I want to be, I want to surround myself with people who are just, just lovely and grateful and want to make, you know, a lot of things that I do is based on relationship. Now it could be the biggest role, but I need that relationship there. I need that relationship there. It's such a gift to talk to you, Gillette. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Joe, for having me. This was amazing. It still happens every day. When lightning strikes, it's the moment you know. The theme song was written by Tom McGovern. This episode was edited by Kyle Moore. And the talent was booked by Anna Stratton. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.